Book Two, Chapter Two of Strangers and Pilgrims. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braden. Book Two, Chapter Two. Applause waits on success. The fickle multitude like the light straw that floats along the stream glide with the current still and follow fortune fulham is a neighborhood of infinite capabilities it is almost impossible to know the ultimate boundaries of a region to which nature seems to have hardly yet assigned any limit from squalid streets of six-roomed houses to splendid places surrounded by park-like grounds from cemeteries and market gardens bare expanses of asparagus or turnips where the atmosphere is rank with decaying garden stuffs to arenas reserved for the competition of the fleet-footed and strong-armed of our modern youth and to shady groves dedicated to the slaughter of the harmless pigeon from newly built red brick mansions hiding themselves coyly within high walls and darkened by the shade of immemorial cedars fulham has stomach for them all queer little lanes still lead the explorer to unknown or at least to him unknown tracts of inland country and on that wild shore between the bridges of putney and hammersmith there are far-spreading gardens and green lawns which a worldly-minded person might long for as the paradise of his departed soul the rancho was one of these places by the river a house and grounds which after belonging to a titled owner had sunk to gradual decay under undistinguished and incapable tenants and at last coming into the market for a larger price than spectators were inclined to give had after hanging on hand for a long time been finally bought at dead bargain by mr singpars this gentleman being amply provided with funds whether his own or other people's was of course a minor question and being moreover blessed with a wife who had a taste set to work to remodel the house which was old and not capacious and altogether in that condition in which it is cheaper to pull down than to rebuild mr Sinkmars, however left the lower reception rooms which were fine almost untouched only widening the windows in the drawing-room to the whole width of the room and putting a glass roof to the billiard-room which could be replaced by an awning in warm weather or thrown open to the sky on starlit summer nights on each side of these central rooms he built a commodious wing in rustic woodwork after the model of a mexican farmhouse in which he had once spent a week during his travels all round the house he put a wooden veranda ten feet wide and paved with cool blue and cream-coloured tiles and having done this he furnished all the rooms in the purest rustic fashion with light woods pastoral chintzes scattered with violets and primroses 
no draperies to the windows which were amply shaded by venetian blinds within and spanish hoods without very few carpets but oak floors polished to distraction and indian matting in the passages it was a house that was built apparently for eternal summer but was yet so contrived as to be extremely comfortable when march winds were howling round the veranda or an april snowstorm drifting against the glass roof of the billiard-room on a real summer's day it was distractingly delightful and to return from its light and airy chambers to the dingy square rooms of a london house a mere packing-case set upon end in a row of other packing-cases was not conducive to the preservation of a contented mind but mr and mrs cinqmars were people who could not have lived in a house that was not better than everybody else's house they were people who lived upon their surroundings their surroundings were themselves as it were if anybody asked who mr cinqmars was his friends and admirers plunged at once into a glowing description of the rancho or demanded with an air of amazement how it came to pass you had not seen his horses in the park high-stepping bays with brass-mounted harness there was a place in scotland too which mr cinqmars spoke of somewhat vaguely and which might be anything from half a county down to half a dozen acres he was in the habit of promising his acquaintances good shooting on that domain but in the hurry and pressure of modern life these promises are rarely fulfilled every man's autumn is mortgaged before the spring is over there is nothing safer than a liberal dealing out of general invitations in june or july mrs cinqmars was at home every tuesday throughout the london season and to be at home with mrs cinqmars meant a great deal the grounds of the rancho were simply perfect ancient gardens with broad lawns gently sloping to the water lawns whose deep and tender herbage had been cultivated for ages forest trees which shut out the world on every side except that noble curve of the river which made a shallow bay before the windows of the rancho cedars of lebanon spreading their dusky branches wide above the shadowy sward mrs cinqmars did not to any great extent affect gaudy flower-beds parallelograms of scarlet geranium and calcellaria silver-gray leafage and potting-out plants of the pickling cabbage order or ribbon bordering are not these things common to all the world instead of these she had masses of rough stonework and young forests of fern in the shady corners of her grounds and a regiment of century-old orange trees in great green tubs ranged along a broad walk leading down to the river her grounds were shady realms of greenery rather than showy parterres she had had hothouses and forcing pits somewhere in the background 
and all her rooms were adorned to profusion with the choicest flowers but only in the rose season was there much display of color in the gardens of the rancho then indeed mrs cinqmars lawn was as some fertile valley in cashmere and the very atmosphere which mrs cinqmars inhaled was heavy with the odors of all the noblest and choicest families among the rose tribe arcades of roses roses climbing skyward upon iron rods temples that look like gigantic bird-cages overrun with roses roses everywhere for a brief season of glory and delight the season of fresh strawberry ices and mature but not overgrown whitebait on these her days mrs cinqmars kept open house from five o'clock upwards there was a great dinner later in the evening but by no means a formal banquet for the men who came in morning dress to lounge remained to dine mature matrons whose bonnets were as things immovable were permitted to dine in that kind of headgear there was a general air of bohemianism about the rancho billiards were played till the summer daylight the sound of cabs and phaetons dog-carts and single broughams startled the slumbering echoes in the fulham lanes between midnight and sunrise the goddess of pleasure was worshipped in a thorough-going unqualified manner as intense as the devotion which inspired human sacrifices on the shrine of the mooned Ashtaroth. in fine weather when the sun was bright and the air balmy and only occasional shivers reminded happy idlers that an english climate is treacherous mrs cinqmars delighted to receive her friends in the garden innumerable armchairs of foreign basket-work were to be found in snug little corners of the grounds tiny tables were ready for the accommodation of teacups or ice-plates champagne and claret-cup were as bounteously provided as if those beverages had been running streams watering the velvet lawns and meandering through the groves of the rancho wainham's clear ice was as plentiful as if the thames had been one solid block from thames to nor there was no croquet in this as in the flower-beds mrs cinqmars had been forestalled by all the world but as a substitute for this universal recreation mrs cinqmars had imported all manner of curious games upon queer little tables with wiry mazes and bells and balls at which a good deal of money and still larger amount of manufacture of piver or jovan were lost and won on that lady's tuesdays the chatelaine herself even was not insensible to the offerings of gloves she had indeed an insatiable appetite for that commodity and absorbed so many packets of apricot and lavender treble buttons from her numerous admirers that it might be supposed that her husband while lavishing upon her every other luxury altogether denied her these emblems of civilization but as mrs cinqmars was never seen in a glove which appeared to have been worn more than half an hour 
it may be fairly imagined that her consumption of the article was large taking a moderate view of the case and supposing that she wore only three pairs per diem she would require more than a thousand pairs per annum and this last straw in the expenses of her sumptuous toilet may have broken mr cinqmars back however this might be mrs cinqmars was singularly successful in all these small games of chance tempered by skill and did a good deal of ladylike speculation upon various races into the bargain whereby the glove-boxes not paltry toys made to hold half a dozen or so but huge caskets of carved sandalwood with partitions for the divers colours were never empty young men were seen approaching her through the groves of the rancho armed with dainty oblong packages their humble tribute to the goddess of the grove tribute which she received with a business-like coolness as her due there were malicious people who hinted that mrs cinqmars was not inaccessible to larger offerings the diamond bracelets ruby crosses emerald earrings which were not the gifts of her husband had found their way to her jewel cases but as mr cinqmars was exorbitantly rich this was of course a fabrication only there is an order of goddesses somewhat insatiable in the matter of tribute goddesses who on being suddenly possessed of the koh-i-noor would that instant languish for the star of the south as a pendant thereto upon this particular afternoon in may the air was balmy and the sun unseasonably warm for it is only the fond believer in idyllic poets who expects genial weather in may and the grounds of the rancho were gay with visitors brightly costumed groups scattered here and there in the shade a perpetual crowd hovering about the footsteps of mrs cinqmars as she moved to and fro among her guests so delighted to see everyone a cheerful chatter of many voices and a musical jingle of teaspoons mildly suggestive of refreshment mrs cinqmars was a little woman with intensely black eyes and long black hair hair which she wore down her back after the fashion of a horse's tail and which reached ever so far below her waist hair which she delighted to tie with brilliant coloured ribbons she was a woman who affected brilliant colours and as she flashed here and there amidst the greenery had something the air of a gorgeous paraquito from some far southern isle her hair and her eyes were her strong points and to come within the range of those tremendous orbs was like facing a battery of lancastrians they dealt ruin across the open country bringing down their quarry at terrific distance to be able to stand the blaze of mrs cinqmars eyes was to be case-hardened tried in the fire of a half a dozen london seasons for the rest she was hardly to be called a pretty woman her complexion was sallow and as she wished to have the freehold and not a short lease of whatever beauty she possessed she was wise enough to refrain from the famous arts of our modern medea madame rachel levison her small hands and feet 
coquettish costumes brilliant eyes and luxuriant hair she had considered all sufficient for the subjugation of mankind she received mrs chevenix and her niece with effusion so kind of them to come and so on and she really was glad to see them they belonged to a class which she was peculiarly desirous to cultivate the eminently respectable not that she for her own part liked this order of beings or would for worlds have had her parties composed of such alone but a little leaven might leaven the whole lump and mrs cinqmars was quite aware that the mass of her society did require such leavening not that mrs cinqmars was herself in any manner disreputable she had never been accused of carrying a flirtation beyond the limits which society has prescribed for a young matron she was known to be devoted to her husband and her husband's interests and yet the friends and flatterers she gathered around her were not the choicest fruit in the basket they were rather those ever so slightly speckled peaches which only fetch a secondary price in the market the class with which mr cinqmars shared the glories of his wealth and state was that class which seems by some natural affinity to ally itself with the wealthy parvenu second-rate authors newspaper men and painters fastish noblemen military men with a passion for amateur theatricals and so on tout la boutique as mrs cinqmars observed mr cinqmars had a two hundred ton yacht of notorious speed and sailing capacity which assisted him in the cultivation of youthful scions of the aristocracy whose presence imparted a grace to the dinner parties and kettle drums at the rancho but it happened unfortunately that the youthful scions were for the most part impecunious and did not materially advance du chatelet's interests it was not often that mr and mrs cinqmars were so fortunate as to cultivate such an acquaintance as lord paulyn and the friendship of that wealthy nobleman had been a source of much gratification to both husband and wife reginald paulyn liked the easy-going style of the rancho liked to feel himself a god in that peculiar circle liked to be able to flirt with agreeable young women who were not perpetually beneath the piercing eye of a calculating parent or guardian to flirt a little even in a strictly honourable manner with mrs cinqmars herself to play billiards till the summer stars grew pale or to gamble in moonlit groves where the little bells on the bewired and benumbered boards tinkled merrily under the silent night lord paulyn liked to enjoy himself without paying any tax in the shape of ceremony and the rancho offered him just this kind of enjoyment he too had his yacht the pixie so there was sympathy between him and the adventurous du chatelet who had crossed the atlantic in a half-decked pinnace of thirty tons and discovered the source of the nile for his own amusement before any of the more distinguished explorers who had made themselves known to fame according to his own account of his various and interesting career i like the rancho you know the viscount would remark to his friends in the condescending air it's like a little bit of hamburg on the banks of the thames and cinqmars isn't half a bad fellow 
a little loud of course you know and so is mrs c and one needn't believe a large percentage of what either of em says but i rather like that kind of thing one gets surfeited with good manners in the season to these happy hunting grounds the viscount was peculiarly desirous to introduce elizabeth it was all very well calling three or four times a week in eaton place and whiling away a couple of hours under the eye or within reach of the ear of mrs chevenix but the lover's soul languished for a closer communion than this for tete-a-tete rambles under the forest trees of fulham for a snug little corner on board mr cinqmars barge when she gave her great water-parties up the river between hampton lock and hanley for waltzes in the rustic drawing-room where half a dozen couples were wont to have the floor to themselves late in the night after the cinqmars dinners the viscount's chances of meeting his beloved in society were not numerous his circle was not mrs chevenix's circle and it annoyed him to hear of dinners and balls to which elizabeth was going the dinners of wealthy professional men or commercial magnates just outside the boundary of his patrician world the rancho offered an open field for their frequent meeting and it was for this reason that the viscount desired to bring about an alliance between elizabeth and mrs cinqmars miss luttrell accepted the lady's enthusiastic welcome with her usual coolness and allowed her aunt to descant alone upon the charms of the rancho grounds and her astonishment at finding so large a domain on the very edge of london lord paulyn had arrived before them and was ready to carry off elizabeth at once to explore the beauties of the place i know you're fond of old trees he said and you must see mrs cinqmars cedars flora cinqmars looked after the two with an air of enlightenment so lord paulyn was sweet upon that handsome devonshire girl people talked so much about the discovery was not an agreeable one mrs cinqmars liked her friends best when their affections were disengaged and no doubt if lord paulyn married there would be an end of an acquaintance which had been very useful to her she was not however an ill-natured person so she gave her graceful shoulders a careless little shrug and resigned herself to the inevitable i suppose i had better be civil to the girl she thought and if he cuts us after he is married i can't help it but perhaps he'll hardly do that if he marries a parson's daughter though he might if he took up with some heavy swell who'd run her pen through the list of his bachelor acquaintances and put her veto on all the nicest people elizabeth found mrs cinqmars afternoon by no means disagreeable there were plenty of pleasant people and well-dressed people a few eccentric toilets 
Orsay de Vertier, a good many people with a certain kind of literary or artistic distinction. A mere effervescence of the hour, perhaps, a temporary sparkle, which would leave them as flat as yesterday's unfinished bottles of champagne by next season, but which for the moment made them worth seeing. Then there were the grounds, pink and white horse chestnuts, in their Whitsuntide glory, and the river running swiftly downward under the westering sun. Lord Paulyn tried his uttermost to keep Elizabeth to himself, to beguile her into lonely walks where he could pour forth the emotions of his soul which did not express themselves in a particularly poetical manner at the best of times. But Elizabeth was anxious to see the celebrities, and a good many people were anxious to see her as a celebrity in her own peculiar line by reason of her beauty so lord paulyn was thwarted in this desire and was fain to be content with keeping his place at her side whether she sat or walked against all comers i never do seem able to get five minutes quiet talk with you he said at last almost savagely when mrs chevenix had joined them and was talking of going back to town i really cannot imagine what you can have to say that can't quite as well be said in a crowd as in solitude answered elizabeth coldly she gave him these little checks occasionally and not quite forgetting that she was the plighted wife of another man a fact which she had begged her aunt to tell lord paulyn and which she fondly supposed had been imparted to him secure in the idea that the viscount had been made acquainted with her position or at any rate serenely indifferent to that gentleman's feelings she enjoyed her new life and permitted her attentions with a charming carelessness as if he had been of little more account than an affectionate sky terrier it was one of the prerogatives of her beauty to be admired and she was worldly wise enough to know that her position in her aunt's circle was wondrously enhanced by lord paulyn's very evident subjugation he had as yet neither committed himself nor alarmed her by any direct avowal she had taken care to keep him so completely at bay as to prevent such a crisis and even in the midst of all these pleasures and excitements in this atmosphere of adulation her heart did yearn for the lover from whom she was parted for the light of those dark steadfast eyes the grasp of that strong hand whose touch thrilled her soul for the sound of that earnest voice whose commonest word was sweeter than all other utterances upon this earth she did think of him yes in the very press and hurry of her new life and still more deeply in every chance moment of repose even to-day under those wide-spreading chestnuts beside the sunlit river how doubly 
trebly unalterably sweet this life would have been could she but have shared it with him if some good fairy would change the positions of these two men she thought childishly and make malcolm lord paulyn what a happy creature i should be and then she was angry with herself for thinking so base a thought had she not won much more than the world in winning him he knows that i am not good that i am just the very last of women he ought to have chosen and yet he loves me i am proud to think of that i should have hardly valued his love if he had only chosen me because i was good and proper and a suitable person for his wife she argued with herself mrs cinqmars entreated her new friends to stay to dinner there were a great many people going to stay really pleasant people mr burjoyce the fashionable novelist and mr macduff the scotch landscape painter whose ben lomond was one of the pictures of the year and lord paulyn had promised to stay if mrs chevenix and miss luttrell would stay whereby it would be peculiarly cruel of them to depart but mrs chevenix was inflexible she was not going to make herself cheap in society which she felt to be second-rate however cool the champagne cup however soft the sward on which she trod you are very good she said but it is quite impossible we have engagements for this evening lord paulyn hereupon began to talk of the derby i want to get up a party mrs cinqmars he said or you shall get it up if you like as you're a top sawyer at that kind of thing suppose i lend you my drag and you can ask mrs chevenix and miss luttrell and myself and a few other nice people and cinqmars and i will tool the team eh wouldn't that be rather jolly mrs cinqmars opined that it would be charming if dear mrs chevenix would go dear mrs chevenix beheld a prospect of being choked with dust and blinded by a blazing sun or chilled to the marrow by an east wind and was not elated and after all it might be almost wiser to let elizabeth go to the races with this rather fast mrs cinqmars without the restraint of any sterner chaperon it might bring matters to a crisis he can't propose to her if i'm always at her elbow thought the sagacious matron i am hardly equal to the fatigue of a derby day she said but if mrs cinqmars would not think it too much trouble to take care of elizabeth mrs cinqmars protested that she would be charmed with such a charge elizabeth's eyes sparkled a race-course was still an unknown pleasure one of the many mysteries of that brilliant world which she desired to know by heart before she bade her long good-bye to it so after a little discussion it was settled that miss luttrell was to go to epsom in the drag with mrs cinqmars 
but i must see you between this and to-morrow week exclaimed that lady who perceiving in which quarter the wind lay was resolved to make the best of the situation and establish herself in the good graces of the future viscountess i have a carpet dance on friday evening you really must come to me mrs chevenix now pray don't say you are full of engagements for friday night we are to dine in the boltons hesitated mrs chevenix we might possibly drive on here afterwards cried mrs cinqmars of course you could remember you are to be with me on friday lord paulyn i shall certainly come if if miss luttrell comes it's certainly too bad of you to make me feel how little weight my influence has good-bye if you positively won't stay to dinner i must go and say good-bye to those blue and white young ladies yonder and with a sweeping continental curtsey mrs cinqmars flittered away in her befrilled muslin draperies and wonderful cherry-coloured satin petticoat with its organ pipe-flutings and flying ebon tresses a figure out of a fashion-plate i've told captain calendar to drive the drag home said the viscount i thought perhaps you'd be charitable enough to give me a seat in your brougham mrs chevenix the third seat in mrs chevenix's brougham was entirely at his disposal not a very roomy seat he was carried back to town half smothered in silk and muslin but very well contented with his position nevertheless are you going to some very tremendous set out this evening asked lord paulyn as they drove homewards we're not going out at all only i didn't feel inclined to accept mrs cinqmars invitation so i had recourse to a polite fiction answered mrs chevenix and i am particularly engaged to finish that novel in which you interrupted me so ruthlessly this morning said elizabeth but the novel need not prevent your dining with us this evening if you have no better engagement rejoined mrs chevenix if i have no better engagement as if i could have a better engagement you might have a better dinner at any rate i can only promise you our everyday fare answered the matron secure in the possession of a good cook she had made a mental review of her dinner before hazarding the invitation spring soup a salmon trout an infantine shoulder of lamb a sweetbread a gooseberry tart and a parmesan omelette he would hardly get a better dinner at his club and had doubtless seen many a worse at ashcombe i shall like to come of all things said the viscount and if you'd like to hear patty this evening i'll send my man to mitchell's for a box while we dine he added to elizabeth to that young lady the italian opera house was still a scene of enchantment i cannot hear patty too often she said i should like to carry away the memory of her voice when i turn my back upon the world turn your back upon the world echoed lord paulyn what do you mean by that you're not thinking of going into a convent are you she is thinking of nothing so foolish said mrs chevenix hastily 
no but the world and i will part company when i go back to devonshire oh but you're not going back in a hurry you must stop for goodwood you know you must stop for goodwood mustn't she mrs chevenix i should certainly like to take her down to brighton for the goodwood week yes and i would have the drag down and drive you backwards and forwards my monday must come to an end before july said elizabeth and then turning to her aunt she said almost sternly you know aunt there is a reason for my going back soon i know of no reason but your own whims and follies exclaimed mrs chevenix impatiently and i know that i made all my arrangements for taking you back to devonshire early in the autumn and not before that time elizabeth's smooth young brow darkened a little and she was silent for the rest of the drive but this was not the first indication of a temper of her own with which the damsel had favoured lord Pollen, and it by no means disenchanted him indeed by a strange perversity he liked her all the better for such evidences of high spirit i shall find out the way to break her in when once she belongs to me he thought coolly the little dinner in eden place south went off very gaily elizabeth had recovered her serenity and was elated by the idea of a night with patty and mozart she went to the piano and sang some of the airs from don giovanni while they were waiting for dinner her fresh young mezzo-soprano sounding rich and full as the voices of the thrushes and blackbirds in the grounds of the rancho she was full of talk during dinner criticized mrs Sinkmars and the rancho with a little dash of cynicism was eager for information about the probabilities of the derby and ready to accept any bets which lord paulyn proposed to her and she seemed to have forgotten the very existence of such a place as hawley yet after the opera that night there was a little recrimination between the aunt and the niece there had been no time for it before i hope you have enjoyed your day and evening lizzie said mrs chevenix as the girl flung off her cloak and seated herself upon a sofa in her aunt's dressing-room with a weary air i'm sure you have had attention and adulation enough this day to satisfy the most exacting young woman i hardly know what you understand by attention and adulation if i have had anything of the kind it has all been from one person lord paulyn has not allowed me to say half a dozen words to any one but himself and as his ideas are rather limited it has been extremely monotonous i should have supposed lord paulyn's attentions would have been sufficient for any reasonable young woman perhaps if she happened to be disengaged and wished to secure him for a husband not otherwise and that reminds me of something that i wanted to say to you auntie you must remember my asking you to tell lord paulyn of my engagement to mr ford yes i remember something of the kind but you have not told him no elizabeth i have not replied the matron busy taking off the various bracelets 
in which he was wont to fetter herself as heavily as an apprehended housebreaker and with her eyes bent upon her work there are limits even to my forbearance and that i should introduce you to society to my friends with that wretched engagement stamped upon you labelled as it were like one of the pictures in the academy is something more than i could brook i have not told lord paulyn and i tell you frankly that i shall not waste my breath in announcing to any one an engagement which i do not believe will ever be fulfilled what cried elizabeth starting from her half-recumbent attitude and standing tall and straight before the audacious speaker what do you think that i would jilt him that after having pined and hungered for his love i would wantonly fling it away yes i will speak the truth however you may ridicule or despise me i loved him with all my heart and soul for a year before he told me that my love was not all wasted anguish i was breaking my heart when he came to my rescue and translated me from the lowest depths of despondency to a heaven of delight do you think that after i have suffered so much for his sake i would trifle with the treasure i have won please don't stand looking at me like miss bateman in leah said aunt chevenix with an ease of manner which was half assumed i think you are the most foolish girl it was ever my misfortune to be connected with and i freely admit that it is hardly safe to speculate upon the conduct of such an irrational being but i will nevertheless venture to prophesy that you will not marry your curate and that you will marry someone a great deal better worth having i will never see lord paulyn again i will go back to hawley to-morrow said elizabeth do just as you please replied mrs chevenix coolly knowing that opposition would only inflame the damsel's pride or at any rate i shall tell lord paulyn of my engagement do my dear but as he has never spoken of his regard for you the information may appear somewhat gratuitous elizabeth stood before her silent lost in thought to turn and fly would be the wisest safest course she felt that her position was a false one dangerous even with some small danger that lord paulyn's attentions commonplace as they might be were attentions she malcolm's plighted wife had no right to receive she knew that all these garish pleasures and dissipations which occupied her mind from morning till night were out of harmony with the life she had chosen the fair calm future which she dreamed of sometimes after falling asleep worn out by the day's frivolous labours but to go back suddenly after it had been arranged that she should remain with her aunt at least a month longer was not easy there would be such wonderment on the part of her sisters so many questions to answer even malcolm himself would be naturally surprised by her impetuosity for in her very last letter she had carefully explained to him the necessity for her visit being extended until the second week in june no it was not easy to return to the shelter of hawley vicarage and on the other hand there was her unsatisfied curiosity about the derby that one particular pleasure of a great race which had been described to her as beyond all other pleasures 
better to drain the cup to satiety so that there might be no after longings she would take care to give the viscount no encouragement during the remainder of her brief career she would snub him ruthlessly even though he were a being somewhat difficult to snub so she resolved to stay and received her aunt's pacific advances graciously and went to bed and dreamt of the commentatory and the statue that stalked in time to that awful music music which is the very essence of all things spectral bore the face of malcolm ford End of book two chapter two recording by john brandon